Showtime Sports presents Showtime Boxing with Eric Raskin and Kieran Mulvaney. Welcome back to Media Central here at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada. We are one day away now from Manny Pacquiao against Adrian Broner, the main event on Saturday's Showtime pay-per-view broadcast. Uh, it is weigh-in day, and Eric, we have a great list of guests once again to talk about uh, both the weigh-in and the fight. We do. If, if you thought yesterday's guests were a great collection of guests, and they were, <laughs> wait until you uh, hear today's show. We have some outstanding guests lined up. Uh, heavyweight Dillian White be leading things off. We'll have Showtime Sports President Stephen Espinosa joining outstanding us. Outstanding human being. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a sucker. Totally. Uh, Clarissa Shields, top women's fighter, joining us. Uh, and uh, Gervonta Davis will be headlining on Showtime on February 9th. So they're all, they're all coming up on the podcast. But first up, here is heavyweight Dillian White. And our next guest is the guy who closed out Showtime Boxing's 2018 with a bang, who had a really fantastic year. In fact, last year, Dillian White is in the house. Hi, how are you doing? How are you guys doing, man? You good, guys man. Good? good? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So you had that spectacular knockout of Jer- Derek Chisora to end the year. Something that people like us couldn't really understand, couldn't imagine what it feels like having never been top-level professional boxers. What's it feel like when you land a punch like that and the guy is, is out? Can you feel it the minute you hit him sometimes? Yeah, you know, you can feel w- w- once, you can feel the connection of the punch. And you just know, um, you know, where the punch lands and stuff. If it lands in the right area, trying to land, you know that person is out. But, you know, there's a lot of things attached to the fight. You know, obviously we had a good first fight. I won, you know, it was close, it was a hard fight. And then um, to finish the rematch in such dramatic fashion, you know, that's, that's how they could ask. So, you know, rematches sometimes sucks. Mm. Mm. It really was a, 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 the end of a really fantastic year for you. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously there's been and still is the talk of, of the Wilders and the, and the Joshua's and the Furies. But yeah. you have really forced yourself into that conversation now, haven't you? Yeah, you know, um, we, I've been working hard. I mean, my team been working hard, you know, been chasing these governing bodies, been doing all the right things, winning all the fights and defending the, the number one position and defending the titles, you know. Um, but it's, it seems to be difficult. These guys don't necessarily want to fight me because they know I'm a danger to, to any one of them, you know, so it makes it difficult. Well, the, the guy who certainly knows it firsthand would be Anthony Joshua. He shared the ring with you. You, you had him hurt at one point in the fight. Uh, do, you, do you think that he wants that fight, whether next or soon? I don't think he really wants that fight unless he gets forced into a manager position where he doesn't have a choice. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if he drops the belt when he gets the manager position anyway because I heard there's already talks of him dropping a few belts anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, because I'm a massive risk stream. The problem, main problem just have with me is I possess the ability to get into his head, you know. I just think that maybe it's the British rivalry or whatever, you know. We've had two fights. I beat him once, he beat me once, so that could be it, you know. And he knows I possess the qualities and the skills to beat him because <clears throat> he's got a very good right hand, but his defence after is not very good. And obviously, I like to capitalise on the, the left hook and other things to head into the body, and he doesn't necessarily like those punches because he doesn't see them coming very well. Mm. Do you think, you know, to follow on from that, that... that a lot of that stems from the fact that you did meet at amateurs. I think you might have been the first guy to beat him in the, in the amateurs. Yeah. And, and that that's, as that's the first loss that he felt, that, that that stayed with him all the way through. Yeah, you know, I sort of manhandled him as an amateur as well. You know, I mean, it, was, it was like I just steamrolled him sort of thing. Mm. So, but, you know, he said that fight changed his career. You know, and the loss to, 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 for me to him changed my career. <laughs> you know, so it's funny, you know, boxing is a funny thing, you know, I'm, after losing to him, that made me start taking my career seriously, started mm. training harder because before that, I just thought, yeah, anyone I fought, if I hit them once or twice, they, they could go sleep. But, you know, fighting them, going the rounds and stuff and facing different things in the ring made me realise, you know what, this is a serious game. I need to take it seriously. You know? Yeah, I was going to ask if, if you feel <clears throat> that you're a better fighter now than you were the first time you fought him. Obviously, it seems that you feel that's the case. Yeah, you know, first time I fought him, after I got past four or five rounds, it was, it was hell. <laughs> you know, but I knew it was fit and I knew I could do the rounds, but actually doing them under the pressure in the night, it was difficult. Very, very difficult, you know, but after that, I've had many 12 rounds now. You know, I've had backward and forward 12 rounds, you know, so... I'm experienced now. I know to, to gauge the rounds. I know to, you know, my last fight went 11 rounds, but I wasn't really tired. I placed myself well. I was very patient. And I, was, I had my concentration going into 11th round, 
you know, and that's the run that's good in knockout. And, you, know, you know, I had the guy going in the first round, the second round, but I was patient enough to know that, okay, I don't need to rush because I hurt him. I still have, have the fitness and the power down the stretch anyway. So I just, it doesn't mean to say because I hurt him the first round, I have to go for the kill. I can just wait for the right moment to put on a spectacular knockout like I did. Is there something, in a way, sort of extra satisfying about doing that, what you did, about going through all those rounds and pacing yourself and then still right at the end being able to finish. I mean, I guess it makes for an easy night if you knock him out in the first round, yeah. but is there a certain satisfaction to doing it It does, later? but you know, you, you got to tick the box. You got to think, I'm, I'm able now to carry my punch power after 30 minutes into the fight, you know, mm. which is a big thing, you know, and my concentration and my accuracy, which before, like I said, going past nine minutes, 12 minutes was, 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 was hell for me, you know, so, so for me, I had seven amateur fights, so I never had a long amateur career, so I'm still sort of ticking all the boxes and stuff. So for me, going late into fights, winning fights on points, still jabbing in the late rounds, still being defensively alert and um, offensively alert in these late rounds. It's very important for me to do these things, you know. So your rematch with Chisora in December, that didn't have an American television home until just a couple of weeks before the fight. What, what's the story behind how that fight ended up on Showtime? You know, it, you know, um, the zone wanted the fight, but we wanted to be on um, Trishel TV in America. You know, obviously we wanted to be, an, uh, you know, and we wanted to be seen to a big audience and more people. So, you know, obviously we decided to go with Showtime. There's a deal from the zone on the table, but we were thinking we want to become a global superstar. So we went and shopped around and, um, you know, and um, Showtime, fortunately for us, um, it was the end of the year. They had no budget left, but we spoke, and then um, we got a good deal done, and um, you know it was all good. And I think you gave the Showtime viewers their their money's worth uh, on that short notice. I mean, just tremendously entertaining fight as it turned out. Yeah, you know, um, it, 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 it's good to be seen in America as well, you know, and um, and if you think it was two days before Christmas, everyone's sitting at home, you know, it was, it was a good fight, you know, and it's good. You know, the good reception here as all well. those people saying to me, oh, we've seen the fight, man, it was good, you know, and um, that's what I want, you know, that's, that's, that's exactly what I want because in Britain, um, a lot of people know me and a lot of people see the fights, but to be seen here, you know, I mean, it's a much bigger country, you know, so yeah. I mean, that is one of the things that I think is great is the sport in the UK right now is, is, is through the roof, right? And, and the heavyweights, especially, are doing really well. And, and so to be able to, as part of your goal, ideally, to be able to get some of that kind of degree of attention that you've gotten in the UK, make yourself a big star over here as well. And that's going to work for you back in the UK as well. You know, I think boxing in general is massive worldwide now. And um, no point in being a big fish in a small pond. Right. You know, you want to be a big fish in a big pond, you know what I mean? So and reach out to more people. And that's when you become um, a true sports star and, and become a great champion, you know. And um, when I become a real champion, I want to fight in the UK. I want to fight in different countries as well and expose myself to different people as well, you know. So what, what can you tell us about what's next for you? Uh, is, is there a date in mind? Is there an opponent in mind? How's it looking right now? You know, we were trying to get the, the, the AJ rematch. There's lots of talks of it, but AJ doesn't want the fight. You know, um, he done a classic, take the box, send an offer, but a real ridiculous offer just to say, oh, well, we made enough. And, and the problem in boxing is you have the casual boxing fans who think they know what's going on. But this is a business as well as it is sports. So, you know, um, he just done that. And then lots of boxing fans, oh, if you think you can beat him, then take the fight. That's not how it goes. You know, you guys know, you guys know how it goes. So he's not serious. So we, we, we're, looking for, we're looking ahead of him, seeing who's there. You know, obviously, one fight I'd like is dominate Brazil. It's a good fight. Mm-hmm. And it's a fight we could make for the WBC final eliminator because, strangely enough, he's number four in the WBC. I'm number one and he's the mandatory. It makes no sense. So to sort that out, I'd like to get in the ring and sort him out. Do you think that might be something that we would see over here and hopefully on Showtime as well? Well, we, we, we would um, would love it to be over here, but you know, also in the UK. If it's in the UK, then it, it possibly would be in Showtime as well. You know, so wherever it is, it possibly should be in Showtime anyway. It's certainly a fun style matchup. Brazil makes good, entertaining fights, and it seems that's a trend in the heavyweight division lately. Is there are very few fighters near the top of the division who don't make good fights. Is that something that you've been noticing too, that there's just a lot of great action fighters in the division? Man, there's so many great fights happening in boxing full stop like the one we have this weekend, yeah. you know, um, tomorrow. But um, in heavyweight division, you know, there's only a few guys that really want to fight, you know. There's a few guys, a few guys that will go in there and they will, they'll pick guys up, but guys like Brazil he actually wants to fight, you know what I mean? He wants to fight and he will stand and trade because he doesn't know anything else. He doesn't have a good jab or anything, but he's strong and he's tough 
and he's very, very determined, which, which always makes for a good fight, you know. Before we let you go, uh, <coughs> there is increasing talk that Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury will meet in a rematch, and I'd yeah. be curious to get your sense about if you think much would be different in a rematch, how you think that might go? You know, re- like I said earlier, rematches are a funny thing because mm. in the rematch, both men would take a lot away from the first fight. Tyson Fury would think, oh, Deontay Wilder's power is not what we all thought it was, you know. Um, and Deontay Wilder would think, I just need to hit you. All I need to do is just to hit you, and that could be in that. But I recall also be a rematch where it could be so cagey. Wilder might try to box more, and Tyson Fury's in a boxer. It's one of those ones you don't know. It could be a barnstorm and someone get done in two or three rounds, which I'm hoping will happen, but you never know, you know, it's heavyweight boxing. And for me, that's the most worrying thing is Deontay Wilder was getting hurt by Tyson Fury, who's not a puncher. Mm. Yeah, that's the most worrying mm. thing for me, you know. So, and, and the thing is, I think Fury will be better in the rematch than he was in the first fight. So it's an interesting fight, very, very interesting fight. Mm. Yeah. So last thing, speaking of interesting fights, what do you make of Saturday night's fight between Pacquiao and Broner? How do you uh, see it playing man. out? You know, it's another great fight. I think it's a great crossroad fight for both men. And full credit due to both men for taking this fight in this stage of the career and putting um, their careers on the line. But, you know, I think um, you have a young lion who could be a great versus an older lion who's already a great, you know, um, so... Which made for such an intriguing fight because Broner, he brings a lot of... He's a very tough guy. He can take punches. He doesn't get knocked out. He gets knocked down. Guys, you think, is going to knock him out. I haven't knocked him out. You know, he's very tough. Got very good, he's got good hand speed. He's got good power. But he also can be lazy, which is the case with a lot of talented fighters. A lot of the time, they're very talented. They do everything well, so they don't train as hard because they got by on it. Which, is a, which, is a, which I think is a problem for him this weekend because money... Great fighter, great speed, great punch power, incredible work rate and incredible fit, you know. So I'm sort of sitting on the fence a little bit until I see what they look like, so on the skills, you know, uh, and the sort of energy they have around them today, you know, because Pacquiao, he doesn't show much. He's very reserved, you know what I mean? And Broner, he always shows a lot, but the skills is the first battle in the fight. So let's see how they look later on today. All right, so you're waiting to make your official prediction until after the yeah, weigh-in. Okay. yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll bring you back at the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I might run off before then. <laughs> well, this has been great. Thanks so much for joining us, Thank Dillian. You. And uh, hopefully we'll get news soon about your next fight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thanks you for having me. Thanks. Cheers. So one of the great things already about the Showtime Boxing Podcast is that we are under absolutely no editorial constraints whatsoever. So when I say that our next guest is a man of style and distinction, <laughs> I do so freely. And not right, because Stephen right. Espinosa is the You're president of Showtime right. Sports. Stephen, thanks for joining the podcast. Uh, happy, to, happy to. My first appearance, I think, on the podcast, you yes. know, in, 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 in any version of the podcast. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. So the, we have to start with the big question that's on everybody's mind. Since HBO pulled out of the boxing business, which has been uh, the bigger benefit to you, losing a competitor or gaining two new podcasters? I, I, I was going to say, you know, Manny Pacquiao was probably the biggest benefit. Okay. But then, you know, he we was. acquired the two of you, and yeah. it's like, you know, it's like having two Manny Pacquiao's <laughs> and, you know, one. Um, you know, it's funny. There's, there's sort of that feeding frenzy um, for the, the, the big, you know, high-level guys. You know, um, you know we, the way things shook out, obviously, we got Pacquiao. Golovkin's still out there. Bivol, you know, is, is committed. So I, I think it'll sort itself out. It's sort of like the free agency period in any other sport. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think everyone's still sort of reeling with, you know, adjusting to life without HBO after 45 years. Right. Let me put a ball on a tee for you to, mm-hmm. to back out of the park. Um, <laughs> shortly after HBO announced this decision, Bob Barron basically said, well, Showtime will be next. Um, that the models are the same for Showtime and HBO, mm-hmm. and it just makes no sense for Showtime to be um, yeah, inboxing. I'll just put the ball on the tee and just walk away and let you swing at that. Um, it, it's, it's wishful thinking. I, I think Bob wishes that we weren't in the business and wishes we weren't committed, uh, but, but the reality is um, you know, we're coming off two of the strongest years we've ever had, mm-hmm. and um, more importantly, it drives business for us. So as much as you know, there is speculation there's a theory about Moonbez being a boxing fan and that's why yes he was a boxing fan and he was active and he was um, he was passionate about it but the great thing about what we've been able to achieve is we've been able to demonstrate that it does drive business for us you know and and part of this a little bit has to do with digital because Mm -hmm. when you look at, at the old model 
you know, we'd get a report from the cable company from satellite and say, okay, you know, in June you added 100,000 new subscribers. You know, we didn't know who they were really or why because, you know, premium TV is one of the few businesses where we don't market our own product, you know, until we went direct to consumer. But so all we know is, you know, we get a report from direct TV, from Comcast, we added these. We don't know why. So now that we have direct to consumer and some digital, you have a, a, a better idea of when people join, what day, why, and then what they watch first. Mm. I mean, same thing, it, it, no different than what Netflix does. Okay. When, so Netflix, I, I think, has this concept of, you know, first viewing. Like when you sign up, what's the first thing you watch? And they sort of attribute that to the motivating force. So I know if I get a sign up, or we get a sign up on Saturday afternoon, and then they watch the right. fight that night, that's a pretty good indicator that we're driving business. And it could go the other way. I mean, we could get all this new data, and then you say, look, you know, no one's paying attention. Like, it, it doesn't matter. We put on Broner Garcia, and it's not even a blip on the radar. Um, but that, that hasn't been the case. So we, we know it drives business. We know the PR value of being associated with a pay-per-view. You know, it's a little bit of revenue, a lot of PR. And, uh, and ultimately, um, it, it drives business. And we see that on the digital side with, with the metrics there, with subscriptions. So more than anything, this is, this is the last time that we would consider getting out. You know, you, you, why would you get out when you're just coming off two of the strongest years in the history that, that you've been in the sport? Right. And specifically, ending 2018 on such a high note with Wilder and Fury... <laughs> I think a lot of people looked at that matchup going in as, okay, we have two of the three best heavyweights. It's interesting. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm not sure it's going to be an exciting fight. And then so were you as surprised as some of us were by how exciting that fight was? I, I, that was my biggest fear, um, even more so than the pay-per-view buys, is you know, by Thursday or Friday, we knew there was a great momentum, great buzz, a lot of discussion. L.A. had responded really well, tickets sold. And, you know, I had this feeling in the pit of my stomach Friday night, Saturday. What if it looks like you know, Fury Klitschko, mm. you know, and then, I, you know, and that, that's one of those where literally as a, a network executive, you sort of want to dig a hole and crawl into it because, I, you know, and I've, I've said this before, you know, when things go right, I probably get more credit than I should. And when I, when things go wrong, I probably get more blame. Um, so, look, I looked like a genius after Wilder Fury. You know, I was no smarter, you know, than I was the day before. But the reality, that, that was a, a fear, you know, that it would turn out looking like the Klitschko fight. And, and thankfully, um, it didn't. It didn't. And it was, um, it was a real throwback heavyweight fight. Yeah. When things go your way, sometimes they just, everything goes your way. <laughs> and after that... Uh, closed the show with a the year with a fight that wasn't even on the schedule uh, until suddenly it yeah, was. We, we, yeah, we had to you know look in the the couch cushions for some extra quarters, <laughs> like take a collection up. It's like at that point in the schedule, December twenty second. Like if you still have money left over, you're doing something wrong. Right. But um, it was it was an interesting way for us to sort of follow up on the heavyweight conversation. Um, and, and really, I don't know that there's any more to be done with Dillian White. Um, look, he's got a lot of options in front of him. But I think that was an entertaining enough fight that it, it deserved to be seen. I was surprised that it hadn't gotten distribution. I, I really wasn't chasing it because I, I think everyone assumed that it was DeZone. Right. And it turned out that they didn't have a deal and there was an opportunity to slide in there and we were able to be nimble and, and get it. Right. So I don't know if what you can and can't say about where things stand right now, but obviously there's a lot of buzz about a Wilder Fury rematch. Does it look like that's going to happen? It it, it does. It, things are headed in the right direction. Now, you know, we haven't crossed the, the the finish line of money, which is you know the biggest part. You know, money and and where the fight is is probably the two biggest things. Other than that, we have sort of a template for how things work, and I think everyone was pretty happy with the promotion. Um, but I haven't heard anything or seen anything which makes me think that they're, this won't get done for the first half of this year. You know, so hopefully I don't jinx it by saying that. But the reality, you know, um, with the one big caveat is we still have to figure out the money. I, I think it's headed in the right direction, you know, for probably May, June. Okay. okay. Uh, so 
the heavyweights obviously are looking very strong all of a sudden after a period where it was kind of fallow and, and, and dull. Um, obviously, you've, we've Showtime's having fights across different weight divisions, but I'm wondering if you're also seeing there are a couple of other uh, weight divisions that Showtime's really strong in right now. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine the welterweight seems to be one that mm-hmm. everything's kind of falling together in place here. Yeah, the welterweight and the featherweights are probably the two divisions where things have uh, have shook out best, and that's why Manny made such a, a you know a, a great it made a lot of sense for us. Um, if he wins, and if Floyd decides not to fight him or he doesn't commit. Look, I think a natural one is the winner of Garcia Spence. You know, you could, you know, a Keith Thurman. There, there's, there's five or six guys that you know that you could plug right in, and they'd be really mouthwatering fights. So I think the welterweights will continue to be a, uh, you know, a big driver for us. And I think you know what, what we have to do now is is build out the next generation, and particularly the heavyweights. It's sort of it's incumbent upon us to identify and really make an effort toward building a deeper division because we can survive a little bit off of the wilder fury um you know maybe klitschko maybe not but ortiz you know their top buys but once you get like six or seven names in it's it gets you know there's a big drop off right so the question is you know are there guys are there young guys like a you know jermaine franklin you know, you know, somebody like that who's ready in three or four fights to jump up to that level. You know, that's just a guy. I mean, a guy like Joe Joyce or, you know, um, O'Coley or like all these guys who are percolating. They're probably two, three years off. Right. You know, we're looking at somebody. Hey, is there a heavyweight or two? You know, um, a Trevor Bryan, you know, uh, you know, somebody like that who could be, you know, thrown into the mix and you know, seeing what he can do. So shifting the focus to Saturday's fight, you've talked a little about the Pacquiao side of things. Focusing on the other guy in this fight, it's always an adventure with Broner. It is. Uh, you, you notice the, the, the amount of euphemisms. <laughs> it's colorful, flamboyant, right. you know, unpredictable. Right. You know, and he is all those things. Right. <laughs> so what, what goes through your mind when we had an incident like we had on Wednesday where you know one of, one of your key guys, Al Bernstein, is taking some verbal abuse from this guy and he's refusing to answer Al's questions uh, as the boss of Showtime Sports. What, what are you thinking when you hear stuff like that? You know, it is uh, certainly don't begrudge him having, um, having an opinion, but, you know, the manner in which he expressed it and the language he used was absolutely unacceptable, inappropriate. You know, it's, it's not a close call. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in a, another scenario, you know, if we had an infrastructure like the NBA or the NFL, you know, and then you'd say, okay, that, that's a fine. You know, um, Cam Newton gets fined when, you know, he goes off and says something to a female reporter. Right. So, you know, we don't have that infrastructure, but, you know, uh, I don't want to go into it too much, but um, I don't have a personal relationship with, with all the guys, but, you know, Adrian is somebody who's been on the network several times. We did have a heart-to-heart. Um, he did come in and behave himself uh, like a gentleman in the fighter meeting, okay. um, which is good. That doesn't cover up what he's done, um, and and there there will be repercussions. I mean, we're not we're not going to pull him out of this fight. You know, we're not going to do anything like that. But th- there are repercussions. Um, you certainly don't have to agree with everything our announcers say, but there is a level of professionalism that we expect, especially on that platform. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think part of the uproar about it is. You know, AB happened to pick probably the nicest guy <laughs> right. in the entire sport. Uh, there's, you know, either him or Farhood or Gordon Hall. It's like right. you're attacking Santa Claus when you attack <laughs> Al Bernstein. So I think everybody rushed to his defense, and rightly so. Yeah, I think this is the the first beef Al Bernstein has ever been in in his entire life. <laughs> right. You're right. And he had you're no right. idea he was yeah. in it. Right. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not sure that I would have been able to react with the kind of composure no. that he did no. yeah um, I would have reacted very differently right. um, what are your expectations of what's actually going to happen on Saturday night in the ring or do you just try not to commit yourself to having any kind of expectations it, I, I think you I think anyone who, who who's in this seat and actually enjoys the job and the sport um, sort of has an expectation mm-hmm. and 
you know, I take a lot of the cues from the conversation going on, and I, I think people are dismissing Adrian a little, you know, a little too much, uh, taking him a little bit too lightly, and, and there's reason why. I mean, he's he's been in in elite fights, and he's never come out on on the winning end. You know, he's you know, there's one thing that I think he's underappreciated for, and I, I certainly don't want to be an apologist for him. Um, but just speaking about his boxing, he could have packed it in against Maidana. You know, and had every reason to. And if not just outright quitting, going into cruise control. Yeah. You know, and you see a lot of fighters do that. And you're like, I'm not winning this fight. I'm not going to embarrass myself. I'm going to get out, you know, and go into a shell for four or five rounds. That's not what he did. It's not what he did against Sean Porter. Mm-hmm. So that, that carries a lot of weight in my book is, you know, when the chips are down, you, you know, say what you say about his discipline. When the chips are down, you know he's going to fight 12 rounds. He's right. going to fight 36 minutes. I don't care what's happened in the first round or how many times he's been knocked down. And that, that counts for something. Um, I think I don't want to tell a redemption Broner story. You know, we've, we've heard that before. But I think it would be disingenuous to, to not recognize that there is a, a, a little edge of seriousness and maybe a little bit more authenticity you know, this fight week, I've heard him speak, you know, the press conference, putting aside the Bernstein thing, he was, uh, I mean, he was pretty serious. And, you know, it wasn't the AB show. Right. You know, uh, there were certainly some remarks here and there. But there was, look, uh, I know I play around a lot, but I'm serious. Mm-hmm. You know, and we haven't, we haven't really heard that before. Right. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see in about an hour. We're sitting here before the weigh-in. Um, proof's in the pudding. And I think when he takes his shirt off, you know, we'll we'll see. You know how uh, how effective Kevin Cunningham has been. Yeah, yeah, a lot of intrigue in this yeah. fight. A lot to look forward to on Saturday yeah. night. Yeah, and I think look, if we do get a focused, in shape Broner, he has all the tools to be able to compete athletically with the skills and the talent that Pacquiao brings to the table. I mean, just on athleticism alone, they're two of the elite guys athletically in the sport. Mm-hmm. All right, well, fantastic stuff. Thanks so much for keep up the good work. Yeah, thanks for coming on, and uh, you are uh, our favorite uh, pay cable network executive (laughs) these days. I'll take it. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thanks, Stephen. All right, as you will have heard from our first two guests, both Dillian White and Stephen Espinosa, we were talking to them before the weigh-in for Saturday night's uh, pay-per-view card. Uh, It is now after the weigh-in. And uh, Eric, right off the bat, we had a little bit of drama. We did. We don't usually see something quite this eventful at a weigh-in, but. One of our fights for the pay-per-view undercard has changed as a result of the weigh-in. It was supposed to be Jack Tapora against Hugo Ruiz at featherweight. The featherweight limit is 126 pounds. Hugo Ruiz did his part. He came in at 125 pounds. Jack Tapora did not. 131 and one-half pounds. Usually if you're a pound or two or maybe three over, they'll negotiate a little something or give you a chance to get back on the scale. In this case, that was just too much. And good for Hugo Ruiz, I guess, that he made a stand and said, no, I'm not going to fight a guy who is a division and a half bigger than me. So we have a new opponent. Now Hugo Ruiz is taking on Alberto Guevara of Mexico, and uh, he's a quality fighter. Uh, Fans may remember him facing Leo Santa Cruz uh, all the way back in in 2012. uh, So a quality veteran, and we have a new fight on the card. Yeah, indeed. Like you said, uh, uh, full credit to Ruiz. There didn't seem to be any discussion whatsoever about... Obviously, he wasn't going to lose the weight. Uh, supposedly, he was six pounds over yesterday. Right. And five and a half pounds over today. So so he clearly wasn't going to make that effort. So one assumes, therefore, that the indications were there that that was going to happen, and that's why they reached out to Guevara. Right. It's a good thing they had somebody ready to go. Uh, no other changes necessary on the card, though. As everyone else made weight, we have the big Bantamweight fight featuring one of the fighters that we spoke to yesterday, uh, Rashi Warren, against a fighter whose promoter we spoke to yesterday. Uh, the Roy Jones promoted Nordin Ubali. Uh, Rashi Warren came in at 116. Ubali right at the Bantamweight limit of 118. And um, these guys are in shape, Kieran. Man, Ubali in particular, I looked at him and I thought, wow, that's, that guy's a rock. Yeah. Uh, he looked, I mean, look, if you're coming in at 116.5 or 118, then you're probably in pretty good shape anyway, or you're <laughs> like 18 inches tall. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ubali looks absolutely solid. Yeah. 
And then we got some fireworks between uh, Badu Jack and Marcus Brown. They both made weight uh, right at 175 exactly. Uh, I would say of the fighters who made weight, uh, Badu Jack may be the least ripped. Yeah. Um, but that's a fairly high standard he's being held to there. Uh, but certainly both looked in shape. And then it was during the face-off after they both made weight that we had some some shoving there. And it seemed to me more like Brown initiating it. And maybe I, I'm reading things into it a little bit, but maybe a little sense of nerves from Brown, it seems yeah, to me. Yeah, because at first... They were doing the face-off, and they were obviously talking back and forth, and, you know, there was some smiling going on, I mean, particularly from, from Badu Jack's perspective, and it and it looked as if it was one of those deals where, yeah, they're yapping at each other, but they know it's all part of the game, and and then, yeah, exactly, they turned to face the cameras, and I think Brown put a little shove in there, Jack decided he wasn't going to have it and pushed it back, and then, and then it actually did start to spill over a little bit, and Brown's camp in particular getting involved, and I noticed grabbing hold of one of the commission officials there, which is a very bad idea (laughs) right um but it settled down soon enough right okay and then the the main event uh the the fight everyone is waiting for manny pacquiao and adrian broner again both made weight under the 147 pound limit uh broner was a half pound under 146 and a half pacquiao a full pound under at 146 uh so we have a fight uh for the welterweight belt and uh you know the i guess the thing that stood out most to me they tried to have their intense stare down as they do and manny pacquiao smiled as he does couldn't couldn't keep the intensity up that's just not his style but the thing that really uh stood out to me was adrian broner made that weight 146 and a half without cutting his beard that was 146 and a half with beard i do wonder between now and tomorrow night is the pacquiao camp going to make uh the broner camp trim that beard yeah, I mean, we didn't ask him about it, but elsewhere I did see Freddie say that it didn't particularly bother Freddie Roach, uh, Manny's trainer, say it didn't particularly bother him, but that's a lot of beard. Um, it's hard for me to imagine they can't possibly make him trim it a little bit. Um, right. The other thing that stood out to me was that, you know, and we've talked about this, and I think it's probably very easy to overanalyze everything that Adrian Broner does as we try to figure out if he's being serious or not, but he was serious up there. He wasn't doing his joking around. He was making a show of not breaking the gaze, even as much as Manny giggled. And when Manny turned away, Broner continued to stare at him, mm-hmm. uh, clearly attempting to, you know, whether for show or, or as a, a matter of fact, uh, demonstrating a kind of like seriousness. Like normally he'd be joking around. It would be, you know, as Stephen put it earlier, the AB show. And he wasn't doing that. Um, so if, you, if you're one of the people who wants to... Uh, uh, divine the tea leaves and have a look and see if Adrian Broner is, as we've talked about, taking this fight seriously. You could look at that and go, all right, he's in shape. He's not joking around. He's being kind of serious. Yeah. Now, will it be enough? Uh, that we will get to a little later on toward the end of the podcast when we bust out our official predictions for the whole card. Uh, but for now, uh, let's throw it back to some more interviews. All right, well, yesterday we had three-time U.S. Olympian Rushi Warren on, and right now we have two-time Olympic gold medalist mm-hmm. and the new BWAA Female Fighter of the Year, Clarissa Shields. Clarissa, welcome to the podcast. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we understand that there's some news that you are closing in on a big fight, a fight that you've been circling for a while with Christina Hammer. What can you tell us about how close that fight is to completion? Um, I got the date. Okay. You know, and I'll be there that date. That's good. That's good. That's a start. <laughs> you know? uh, it should be April 13th. I don't know, like, they haven't locked in the location yet. Okay. Um, really, it should be against Christina Hammer, but it's all about her showing up, you know, and I, and I believe that she will. So, you know, it should be a fight, you know, April 13th, somewhere in the U.S. on Showtime <laughs> okay. Main Event. Okay. Good. <laughs> We were just looking at her BoxRex page, and they've got her fighting sometime in February before that. Do you know anything about that, or do you yeah, think that's just Yeah, it's strange. Thing? It's strange. So, um, trying, to, trying to make Clarissa be nice, okay? <laughs> so, Hammer said she was sick. Right. And said that she couldn't return till March. We, uh, you know, so my so, so my team was like, you know, uh, we, we seen her. She was at my fight December 8th. She looked healthy. She look in shape. We like, hell, you know, you want to fight February? She told us no. You know, said, are we deaf? She clearly made it. She clearly made it. She she, she made it clear. She's not fighting till March. So now she's like, uh, hmm. you know, after March. So we gave her a date, April 13th. She agreed. 
and now uh, saying that she wants to fight. Before then, wants to have a tune-up fight because I fought twice since she's been in the ring and she's been off a layoff and all this stuff. And um, I just kind of was like, look, do whatever you got to do to be 100%. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to take advantage of her or trying to get her when she's down or all that. I'm not trying to do that. Um, if it was the other way around, I wouldn't be able to have a fight. Right. You know, it's like you sign papers, letting, every, letting, letting all the boxing um, people know that the first fight that you would have after your sickness was me. Now, you know, she's going back on her word uh, like she's had before, you know, whatever. And uh, she's supposed to be having some kind of tune-up fight February 15th. And uh, I believe in Kansas. I, I'm not really sure. And, you know, wish her all the best. You know, but then I just look at, I feel like they're going to push the fight back from April 13th because who fights that close together? Right. You know, but look, they told me to stay confident that February, I mean, that April 13th was the date. So that's all I can do okay. is just stay confident about it and uh, listen to them. But all in all, Christina Hammer can't beat me, you know, and uh, she's a foolish thing she can. And uh, definitely with all these uh, excuses and, and uh, tummy aches and all that stuff, you know, I think that, you know, if if I was so easy to beat like she say, you know, then just come and beat me then. Right. You know, shut me up. Right. It's, it's simple. But um, it's all up to her. So April 13th should be my next fight. It should be against Christina Hammer. If it's not against her, I'll still be fighting that day. Okay, right. okay. So, so I'll be there. If it is her, with that said, as confident as you are that, that she can't beat you, yeah. do you view her as your toughest challenge as a pro so far? I mean, she got the best resume. Mm. You know, she's been a world champion, I believe, eight years. Um, undefeated. Um, when I'm a fighter, so I look at resumes, and I looked at who she's fought, and I fought way more tougher opponents than she has, and I'm only 8-0. Mm -hmm. So... You know, with that being said, she's fought some decent girls, but nobody like me. You know, nobody like me. So I just look forward to fighting her. And everybody who thinks that she can beat me, they're going to be highly upset after the fight. Because not only am I going to beat her, I'm going to embarrass her. They're going to think she's an amateur when I get done with her. You mentioned that December 8th fight. Um, obviously, like in your second pro fight, you were already on Showtime. And then December 8th, last time I saw you, you were opening up the very last card on HBO. Um, what was that like, that experience? I mean, obviously, you've already had the experience of being on premium cable, but then to be one of the very last fighters on, on the last broadcast of, of, of HBO, did, did that mean anything to you? Yeah, you know, I think uh, to me, growing up, it was always like a dream to just fight anywhere on TV. Mm. You know, uh, when I was growing up, I felt like HBO had the biggest fights, you know, like the biggest fights on uh, HBO water pay-per-view fights. You know, Showtime has pay Showtime has pay-per-view fights, but when I was coming up, the biggest fights were on HBO. So, you know, of course, growing up, I was like, oh, I want to fight on HBO. I want to fight on Showtime. And I just never thought that I would see it happen for HBO because, I mean, I heard that they were closing, that they were going out of boxing. So to hear that they wanted me on that last card was like, wow. It's kind of... It's bittersweet, but then again, it's kind of sad because, like, you guys, every, everybody's going to be sad because HBO is going out. And then it's like, but we're going to be, the women, we're going to be happy right. because we're finally getting our shine, we're getting our shot, and we're being able to fight on HBO. You know, it's sad that we're closing it, you know. So I just was like, you know, always having to lighten the mood, especially when, when we did our, you know, meetings and everything. In our, in our media, everybody was, like, kind of so down. And I'm like, look, this is not a funeral. I'm sorry. I'm sad HBO was going out of boxing, for sure. But Cecilia Brockett is the main event. Right. I'm the And I'm the TV opener. Right. So I can't help but to be happy. Right. <laughs> you know, so um, it was different. I think it should have been promoted a little, a little differently. But all in all, I think it was still just great for women's boxing. Yeah. I, I think about the wins for women's boxing. And every time I win... Big win for women's boxing. Every time a great match is made, big win. Every time somebody gets paid 125K, 135K for, for a title fight on TV, win for women's boxing. You know, so that's how I kind of think about it. Right. So speaking of big for women's boxing, I would say you and Christina Hammer would be like the biggest combined names that we've seen in a fight since maybe all the way back to Leila Ali and Christy Martin. 
uh, do you see this as the biggest fight that's come along in women's boxing in absolutely. a decade or more? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the best women fighters haven't fought against each other yet. And I think because it's too much to risk right now for very little reward. I think now she's willing to, to, to risk her undefeated record and, uh, and her belt against me because, you know, um, to prove her legacy. And the uh, same thing with me, to prove my legacy. The just the difference between me, and, <laughs> the difference between me and her with her is, I'll I'll fight anybody, anytime, any day, any amount of dollars. We don't gotta fight in front of the cameras. We can fight in the backyard. That's just how I am, you know. But um, but women's boxing has always been like the undefeated fighters want to stay undefeated, and you know we don't take easy fights, but we know how to avoid. But they know how to avoid the big fights to where they won't have a one on their record. You know, which makes you less valuable anyway. But now since you feel like you're not even that much valuable anyway, to have a one on your record really, really, really hurts you when it, like, comes to women's boxing. But I feel like all that is changing. There was, um, at the pre-fight press conference before that fight, there was this odd kind of moment when Pepe Suleiman of the WBC gets up and says, it's great that we have all these women fighters, but they're so delicate and they're different and we have to protect them and that's why they can't fight three-minute rounds. And it was all very weird. Like you had you guys up there, and he was going on about how you need protecting. You, I think it's kind of ridiculous that women have to fight two-minute rounds. I know this is a big deal for you, too. You would really like to be able to fight three-minute rounds. Yeah, I think that's, that, that's the only way that we can ever have equality. And when he got up there and said that, asking where, I, I wanted to ask him, which it kind of it kind of slipped my mind because when I got on the mic, because I was thinking about so many different things, right. thinking about my fight and what I, what I need to say. But where's the physical evidence to that? Yeah. You know, it's, it, there is no physical evidence. The women in MMA go the same amount of rounds as the men. And, and you know, and they say, oh, our bones are weaker and all this stuff. Duh, but we're fighting against other women. We're not fighting <laughs> right. against men. Right. You know, and I feel like, you know, they saying we can get concussions easier and all this stuff, which is what tests have you done to prove that? And then also, I'm a grown woman. I don't need nobody to fucking protect me. I protect myself. You know, and uh, that's how I feel about it. Boxing is dangerous enough anyway. So if you really want to protect me, how about you tell me not to box? Right. That, that's the real protection. You know, but we all choose our own life. And if women want to fight three, three 12 minute rounds, we should be given that right. Not because he got this amount and he want to protect us and protect us from ourselves. What? Right. No. That's, I think it's totally ridiculous. And I would love to see physical proof. Not you know women taking surveys and in a in a in a test that they supposedly did in 1980 1990 like this 2009 2009 uh, a 19 we got boxing in the Olympics <clears throat> even in the amateurs people don't speak much of the amateurs but the women fight three three minute rounds right. now right. right not so fragile so which doctor is telling the truth yeah. which one is actually doing their test I I don't know any uh, any of my friends who have concussions yeah. and I know a lot of women fighters so it's it's not that many of us, you know. I don't hear anybody complaining about, um, you know, all these concussions and everything that 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 they were talking about, our bones being weaker. I just feel like it's not true, and that's just another way to try to hold women's boxing down, so they can always say this is why you guys get paid more. This is why you guys don't fight on TV. Right. You're like, look, equal is equal. Three 12 minute rounds, three 12 minute rounds. A million, a million. World, world, world title fight, world title fight. Right. To, to look at your record, 8-0, two knockouts, people yeah. might think you're not a huge puncher. If you, we were talking about the three-minute rounds, if you were fighting three-minute rounds, you think we'd be looking at a much higher knockout I'd percentage? I'd be smashing them. Those girls would be tired. I'd be knocking no. them right out. Uh-huh. You know, like these, one, I do everything that I'm supposed to do to get a knockout. I think I have done in my last four fights. I've done everything I to do to get a knockout. I've broken girls down to the body. <laughs> I punched him in the face. I punched him in the, in the chin. I punched him in the stomach. Two minutes. Like, I've even rocked a few girls toward the last the end last of the round. Yeah. And then guess what? Boom, the bell rings. Give me another minute, those girls will be out of there. We're certainly a long way from true equality yeah. in boxing. But you against Christina Hammer headlining on a big Showtime card is certainly a step in that direction. So we're definitely looking forward to it, and we wish you the best of luck. And so thanks so much for coming on the podcast with us, Clarissa. No problem. And just to be clear, I love Showtime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right? Good. I love HBO. I love all the networks. But still, equal is equal. Yep. You know, and I have to speak up 
for the women fighters. So uh, accept my real, <laughs> real honesty and fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Clarissa. No problem. You're welcome. So obviously, although we are focused on this Saturday and the big pay-per-view on February the 9th, Showtime Championship Boxing returns uh, from the stadium, the arena formerly known as the StubHub Center, now the Dignity Health Sports Park. Yes. And uh, christening that for boxing will be the man in front of us right now, Javante Tank Davis. How are you doing, John? Uh, I'm great. Yourself? Pretty good. Pretty yes. good. We're good. Yes. So you're taking on Abner Morris on February 9th. Yes, sir. Uh, you're the bigger man in this fight. He's yes. moving up in weight. A lot of people have the natural instinct to say that that gives you an advantage. However, the smaller man sometimes has certain advantages, too. Is it tough for you fighting a guy who's a little smaller and has that speed? Um, I believe that, you know, he's he much smaller. He's um, probably a little, little quicker, you know. So um, he, he definitely has the advantage of him, the experience, you know. So mm-hmm. he have a lot of experience. He's been at this, this stage, you know, for uh, many years, and this is actually my first uh, main event in the U.S., so um, I'm trying to stay focused, trying to stay level-headed, you know, and, um, get a fans what they see, and that's an uh, action-packed fight. Right. Is it good for you, I mean, obviously, as you're building out your experience now, to take on a guy who's who's been there and done it, right? And, and that's that's always, like, part of the whole step of, of, of broadening, like, what you've been able to do. Now you're fighting this guy who's been a multiple world champion, and that's just an important step in your development, right? Yes. It, it, it just gives me extra motivation, you know, um, knowing what I have in front of me and getting past that test. You know, um, Abner is a great, great fighter. I believe that he a future Hall of Famer. A great Mexican fighter, you know, he's standing up, with, um, but he just—he's just a roadblock for me. I got to get past that—that—that that, that roadblock, and then the future is bright. Right. Yeah, and he—he he would be the biggest name on your record. Yes. So far, is that something that gets you extra pumped up, knowing you're in there with a name guy who's held titles in multiple divisions? Yes. Um, I'm not taking Abner lightly at all. You know, I know what I have in front of me. Um, he's a smarter guy, but he—he he comes to fight every time. He throws a lot of punches. And um, I'm actually looking forward to the fight. I'm excited. A few fights ago, you stopped Jose Pedraza in, I think, the seventh round. Yes. How good does that result look now after Vasily Lamachenko was given a pretty tough fight by him uh, just at the end of last year? I believe that um, Loma, he, 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 you know, he, he's saying what, how man, man, uh, Joseph Pedraza fought and he thought it was going to be... Mm. He, he felt like he's better than me, so he think he was going to smoke Pedraza. But Pedraza, if you if you seen after after um, I fought him, he actually went up in weight and fought a champion and wound up beating him. You know, in a great performance. So you couldn't sleep on Pedraza that much. And he's a he's a great fighter. That's why I always commend Pedraza because he's a great champ. You know, so. So looking back at that in context, would you consider that one of your better performances so far? I believe that's my best performance um, up to date, yes. Um, One performance that you took some criticism for, not necessarily so much the performance in the ring, but the fact that you missed weight for the fight uh, on the Mayweather-McGregor undercard. What what lessons did you take away from that experience? I'm just staying focused, you know, um, being a a professional. A professional do professional things, you know, and... um, that's why I'm trying to stay. I'm staying focused, you know, staying level-headed, so I won't make them mistakes again. You know, I have a bright future, and only only I can mess it up. You know, so it's basically about you know, Javante versus Javante. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I'm trying to stay focused, trying to dedicate my life into the sport of boxing, and make sure I, you know, I do great in the sport. Another guy about whom similar things have been said is Adrian Broner. Yes. Uh, who nonetheless, you know, is in this great position yes. now on Saturday. A real opportunity that, yeah, he's made some mistakes. Maybe he hasn't had the focus. But a win on Saturday would mean everything for him. Yes. How do you handicap that? Do you think that Adrian Broner has a, has a real good shot against Manny Pacquiao? I believe Adrian versus Manny. I believe that um, Adrian knows what what what's ahead of him. Hmm. I, I believe that he knows, like, all the other chances that he had, that he, he screwed up, I believe, I think Saturday night he know that he have a big task in front of him. Um, he's trying to stay focused. He's not only doing it for himself, he's doing it for his kids, his career, his team. And I believe this is the most focused 
Adrian have ever been. Mm. I believe so. If you go look back at um, when he, when Adrian weighed in before, he wasn't ripped like how he was today. And actually, he moving up in weight, so he looked more ripped than what he ever been. So I believe that he, he he's focused. I'll give this a 50-50 fight, and um, I'm actually going with Adrian. Okay. He looked serious up yes, there as well, didn't he? Very serious. Yeah. Yes. How, how big a factor do you think youth is in this fight? I mean, Adrian is basically in his physical prime, still in his late 20s. Manny Pacquiao's 40. Do you see that playing a factor in how the fight goes, especially as it gets into the later rounds? I believe that um, Adrian, he didn't he didn't take real bad punishment. Only uh, not too many fights, but the only put uh, I mean Madonna fight. Right, you know, right. so I don't think that. Um, I think youth is on his side. I think that, you know, Adrian, um, he's still fresh. You know, I, I think that Manny Pacquiao, down, he's, he's, you know, a little slower than what he, he, he normally be. But that come with, you know, the sport. You know, he, he's getting older, you know. But I still think he's, he's still definitely an animal for sure. And you can't sleep on Manny because he is a legend, you know. So I'm just – I'm a fan now. I'm, I'm just right. ready to see it. I'm <laughs> right. ready to see it tomorrow night. Right, right. What do you think are, you know, some of the key things that if you're Adrian Bronner you have to do to try to neutralize Manny Pacquiao? Is, you know, because Manny's he's constantly moving. He's, he's, yes. he's in and out. Is one of the keys he's got to try and, like, keep him in front of him? Has he got to try and slow him down? Has he got to get his respect early? What do you think's key? I believe I believe just um, fighting his pace, fighting Adrian Pace, hmm. uh, he probably got to throw a, a little bit more punches, you know, um, throwing the jab to keep Manny hmm. off bay, like how Floyd did him, and, right. you know, pick, pick his shots carefully. Hmm. And we know Manny Pacquiao make mistakes and just catch him, when, capitalize off his mistakes. So you're watching this one as a fan yes. uh, tomorrow night. We'll all be watching you as a fan on yes. February 9th. Thank We're you. looking thank forward you. to that. So best of luck in the ring against Abner Morrison, and thanks for stopping yeah. by. Thank y'all. Thank, thank you, you for having me. All right, well, thanks to all our guests. It's been a great couple of days here in Media Row. And, well, we've been trying to put it off as long as we possibly can, but now here we are the evening before the fight. It is about time, Eric, for us to put up or shut up. It is prediction time. <laughs> well, we can't shut up because we're podcasters, <laughs> right. so I guess we have to put up. Uh, and th- there's high stakes here because right. we have a competition going. There are it's points. three points there. apiece. We're all tied up. And we have, whereas on our previous show we had a single prediction, one fight, we have three fights to predict here, the main event and two undercard fights. We will not be making a prediction on the Guevara-Ruiz fight since... That was just signed today. It just came together as a result of Jack DePora falling out, as we discussed with our post-weigh-in discussion. So uh, we don't know quite enough about Guevara to make bold predictions there, but we will do so for all of the other fights on this card. And uh, the first one is the Bantamweight Showdown, Rashi Warren uh, against Ubali. Uh, and you're up first, Kieran, with, with your pick for this fight. Yeah, this was a difficult pick. Um, I wobbled definitely after the weigh-in because as we talked about, Ubali just looks like he's carved out of granite. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a really, really solid-looking guy. But there's just something about about Rache Warren, the way that he's carried himself, the, the kind of focus that he appears to have. Um, a guy who's had a couple of bumps on the road in his professional record, but I think feels to me like he's a more well-rounded professional uh, you know, than, than Ubali at this stage. I think it's going to be a very close fight. It's going to be a nip-and-tuck kind of thing, but I'm going to take Rashid Warren by decision, by split decision. Split decision, okay. Um, I'm very tempted to go with Warren because I just enjoyed interviewing him so darn much. I don't want to pick against him. <laughs> then again, uh, if I did pick him, I'd be picking against Roy Jones. So, you know, right. you're going to anger someone uh, no matter which way you go here. Um, I'm going to lean toward, I'm just going to follow the precedent uh, of what happened in the Olympics. Right. Uh, I'm going to stick with Ubali. Uh, so we have uh, our, our first official Showtime uh, boxing podcast disagreement. Uh, I'm going to take Ubali. Go majority decision. Okay. Okay. Uh, so we, ha- we have a disagreement there, a big potential point swing happening, which means surely it'll end in a draw and nobody will gain <laughs> any ground on the other. Uh, and so for the next fight, uh, Badu Jack against uh, Marcus Brown, I'm up first. And this, this is an outstanding fight. I'm really looking forward to this one. I think there's almost no chance it isn't an action fight. Great. Um, 
the the fireworks that we saw between them at the weigh-in I think bodes well for the kind of fireworks we're going to see in the ring but in the end I like the experience of Badu Jack as I noted a couple podcasts ago when we were first talking about this uh, I was ringside when Marcus Brown really struggled to a debatable decision win and I can't get that out of my mind even though that was a couple years ago I'm going with Badu Jack and for a guy who's had a lot of close decisions, a lot of draws, I think he's going to want to avoid going to the scorecards. I'm going to take Badu Jack to stop Brown in round 10. I'm also going with Badu Jack because of, partly because I think he's probably the better fighter, but also because he has been tested. He's vastly more experienced. Um, as he said, after the way, and it's another day at the office for him, and it kind of is for him more than it is for Marcus Brown. I certainly don't write off Marcus Brown. I wouldn't be surprised if both men end up on the deck at some point during this fight. Um, but you know what? Brown's also not to be slept on, and here's the thing. If you're going to make a Badu Jack prediction... You have to go with a split or majority decision. And I'm going to go with a majority decision win for Badu Jack. So, again, a slight difference of opinion. Indeed. Here. Same winner, but different methods of victory. So, okay. Uh, so, and then there is only one fight remaining. That's the main event. Manny Pacquiao, Adrian Broner. You're up first. We've had all, all week and really a couple weeks to sit on this, think about it. Now we've seen the way in. It's time to make our picks. What's yours? Okay. So, settle in, kids, because Kieran's going to teach you. Uh, treat you to his long and winding road to get to this decision <laughs> here. And How much should they fast forward, Kieran? Oh, you don't want to fast forward at all. <laughs> okay. Might want to listen to this several okay, times. All right. So the obvious pick, I think, probably is for Manny Pacquiao to win this and probably to win it on points because he has not been scoring a lot of knockouts. I really began to wobble, and I think the big issue is that Manny Pacquiao is 40 years old. He looked terrible two fights ago. Whether you thought he... He won against Jeff Warren or not. He looked like a guy who had suddenly fallen off the edge of the cliff. And you could make the case that even though he looked much better against Lucas Matisse, that Matisse is more done than he is. Um, and and, and the, you know that just happened to make him look good. There's a real possibility that if Manny Pacquiao, the Manny Pacquiao who fought Jeff Horn, shows up in the ring on Saturday night, he may very well lose to Adrian Broner. And we've talked about it over and over and over again. It's been the theme. This time, Adrian Broner's serious. This time, he's focused. This time, he's determined to like make the best of his abilities. This time, he's going to be the Adrian Broner that we all thought he would be. But I've also been thinking about it quite a lot and thinking, I wonder how much we've fallen in that narrative for the notion that there's a greater Adrian Broner hidden inside the Adrian Broner that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And even though I was one of the guys early on in his career who really hyped him up, who really thought he would be something else, he hasn't proven to be that. And I'm not sure that you can change that dramatically overnight. I still think Adrian Broner is Adrian Broner. He's a very good but not great fighter. And I still think Manny Pacquiao probably just has enough in the tank to overcome a guy like Adrian Broner. He might have some awkward moments. I can see Broner landing a shot late on and finishing Manny Pacquiao off. But I think Pacquiao's too fast. I think he's too versatile. He's too experienced. He's just too good. As long as there's still some semblance of Manny Pacquiao, I don't know that we'll see the old Manny Pacquiao, but I don't know that we'll see an old Manny Pacquiao either. (laughs) I think we'll see something in between, and I think that will be enough for possibly a close decision win from which Broner will emerge with some credit, to be honest, because okay. I think he will try, I think he will make an effort, and I just don't think he'll quite have enough. But I am going to go for Manny Pacquiao by close, unanimous decision. Okay. And along the way, along that long and winding road, you also made a good case for how Adrian Broner can win this fight. To me, the case for Adrian Broner is this. Zab Judah against Corey Spinks. Now, not stylistically. I don't think anyone will get Manny Pacquiao and Corey Spinks mixed up. Um, but I've always seen parallels between Adrian Broner and Zab Judah. These hmm. super talents who kind of lack the focus and the discipline and had their struggles in their early to mid-20s putting it all together. And then Zab Judah against Corey Spinks did put it all together. And he seemed to really mature and had this phenomenal performance to win the legit welterweight championship. 
he reverted. Right. <laughs> it's funny exactly. because uh, in uh, some of the later stages of his career, Zab Judah really did mature and grew up. Um, but in that case, after he beat Spinks, he still he, he, he backslid a bit. Um, so, uh, but that one night against Corey Spinks, uh, he really put it all together. And that's what I th- we're going to need to see from Broner is that performance where he is focused, hungry, determined, and just gives that absolute A-plus performance that we haven't seen from him. Can he do it against Pacquiao? I don't quite think so. <laughs> I'm, I'm ultimately landing in the same camp as you that Manny knows how to make some adjustments. We haven't really seen Adrian Broner do that. Yeah. Um, and I think you're absolutely right that maybe that promise that we think we saw in Adrian Broner when he was younger, there was a little bit of a mirage in terms of what the ceiling is, that maybe it's not quite as high as we thought it was. Uh, I'm going to guess that Manny Pacquiao is not going to grow old, just as you did. He's not in his prime, but I don't think he's going to grow old enough in this fight for Broner to beat him. Ultimately, we're doing the Raskin and Mulvaney thing on, on this fight. We didn't do it on the other right. two, but we're doing it on this one. I, too, am going Manny Pacquiao by unanimous decision. Um, now, the uh, silent third member of our uh, broadcast team are uh, here on Radio Row all week. He will be silent no, no longer. The Showtime director of podcasts, uh, Seth, Seth Nyman, we want to get you to, to chime in here as well with, okay. with your thoughts on the main event. You've been, you, you've been sitting, listening patiently. Uh, we want to give you a chance to, to weigh in and see if you are in agreement with the two of us or not. Can Kieran, Kieran can you do your pick one more time? Take, <laughs> take, us, take us through that one more time. Um, initially, I was positive that Manny Pacquiao would win by unanimous decision. But sitting here the last two days, listening to Roy Jones, and if you didn't hear what Roy Jones had to say about the fight, go back to our show from yesterday. And Rashi from yesterday, too, talking about how he's never seen Broner get to the gym like he did for this right. fight. I don't think those guys were talking. Uh, I don't think they were, they were BSing. I actually believed what they had to say. And seeing Broner, how he looked uh, at the weigh-in. And I, I think this is his moment to shine. And I, I maybe I'm getting sucked in here, but... Uh, and yeah, Eric's like, yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're totally getting sucked in, yeah. loser. Um, no, I, 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 I think all the things you said, Kieran, lead lead it to Broner having a really good shot at winning this fight, and I, I think he's going to win. I think Pacquiao is the Jeff Horn Pacquiao. I think okay. Matisse mm. is through, okay. and I think it, you know, like I said, I think I told you guys before is that like, I, I almost might be able to beat Matisse. So, and that's not giving myself any credit. That's just saying that Matisse is was in a lot of wars. That guy was a yeah. that guy's a warrior, and he's been there. And you can't you can't be beat up and fight a Pacquiao. So, I, I think I don't know if Pacquiao can take the clock back. I don't, and and where where have we seen? When's been the last really truly blown away Pacquiao performance? Mm, right. He's won some fights against who? You know, come on, um, Brandon Rios. Come on, he's a punching bag. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so I just feel like some of his fights were kind of there for the taking. And, I, and Broner presents, uh, pun intended, a problem right. for Manny Pacquiao. And uh, I, I can see it even being a draw. Why not? Huh. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I think it's going to be – and we actually talked off air to Leonard Ellerby for a minute, and he, he kind of thought like it's – he said it could be something here, you know, something unusual might happen. I, I think uh, I think Broner is going to surprise a lot of people in this fight, and I think um, – we might see Manny Pacquiao for the last time in this fight. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. There you go. Uh, you, you just, we, we've seen it many times. We've been watching boxing a long time. They do get old overnight. Right. Exactly. It and, happens. And Pacquiao's been on a slow decline. Very right. slow, slight, but choosing his opponents carefully. And come on. I think I, I got sucked in. I, Roy Jones and Rashi, they, they talked me into it. So, look, are you going draw or are you going Broner win? Here? I'm going to take Broner win. Okay. <laughs> if Split took, decision. We, have, we didn't decide how many points you get if you correctly predict a draw, but I, no. I feel like it should be a lot. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. Three points? What's the, what, what, I feel like it's got to be more than that. No, but draw should yeah. be like it's 10 so, points. Yeah, right. I, I, it's so I random. So. Yeah. Right. I well, can you, see it you could single-handedly, without having made picks in any of our other fights, move into first place yes. just by getting the draw. <laughs> well, think about it. Um, who else could when these guys win? Who are they going to fight and beat? Mm. Who would, well, what welterweights would you pick Pacquiao or Broner over? When the top welterweights, the Sean Porters, the Keith Thurmans, Errol Spences, and Mikey, if he beats Errol Spence, right. who are you going to pick these guys over them? 
No, they're probably underdogs against everyone. Pretty much everyone, yeah. So yeah. A, a draw might be in their best interest. Interesting. <laughs> to fight again, so <laughs> we ha- we'll see. We have, okay. a, we have a solid conspiracy <laughs> theory already. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, look, that will do it for our Fight Week podcast here from the MGM Grand. Uh, thanks to all our guests for showing up for the last couple of days. And thank you for listening uh, for our first Fight Week uh, broadcast with the Showtime Boxing Podcast. Don't forget... Showtime pay-per-view, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. A four-fight card headlined by Manny Pac-Man Pacquiao against Adrian, the problem Broner. Be sure to watch it. Thanks very much for listening. Eric and I will be back, possibly with the gloating Seth, in the immediate <laughs> aftermath of the fight. Um, but until then, thanks very much for listening.